My biggest fear would be when the first comes and I don't get the rent. I found that my tenant had dumped concrete down my toilet. Can you believe Fair Housing fined me $5,000 for that? How do you onboard your tenants? What do you do? I don't even know if I do it right. If you're a landlord, don't just rent, rent perfect. The Rent Perfect Podcast with property expert and private investigator, David Pickron. Well, welcome everybody. I'm David Pickron, your host here at Rent Perfect. Pretty excited today to have Denny Dobbins back with me. He's been a guest on several of our podcasts just because of his knowledge and his career and all that he has in his head. I wish we just could just unload it all. We could all have it and we'd all just be better landlords run our properties in a way better way. Denny, um, know you're a licensed attorney here in Arizona and Idaho, and usually we put a disclaimer in. Anything we talk about today, give it to me. Anything we talk about today is great. Listen, <laughs> learn, but go talk to your attorney about anything you want to use. Okay, especially if you're out of state. You know, we are here in Arizona, as you know, in most of our podcasts. We are nationwide uh, podcast, but we just want to make sure that you cover each state. I mean, even the state, county, city levels now all have all kinds of craziness in there. So glean what we have to say, take what we have to say, and go go meet with your own legal counsel and make sure that that, that is good. Denny, I don't want to go through the, I mean, we could go through a half an hour of everything you've done. Give me the five-minute version just for in case this is the first, po- first podcast people have watched. Tell me what your qualifications, what you've done. Well, I don't want to look like Mr. Schumer uh, today, <laughs> oh, or Mr. Schiff, so I'm going to make it even shorter. <laughs> well, I started as an officer, um, then I uh, was a private investigator, then I went to uh, law school a little later in life, and uh, I, uh, I started prosecuting, and then I was a defense attorney, and very early in my career, I was co-founder of the International Crime-Free Association. I wrote the Crime-Free Addendum that's used pretty much all over... United States and in several countries. And I've been heavily involved in legislation for uh, not only Arizona, for other states, counties, cities. And I've been on on top of these issues. Uh, We're going to talk about the green factors today. And uh, actually, when the new HUD guidelines came out and even the EEOC guidelines, uh, they were all about these green factors and so I wrote a couple articles on that, and we'll talk about it today. Perfect. I know a lot of our listeners are saying, green factors, what are you talking about? So let's let's lay it out to just as simple as we can lay it out right now. Um, Denny, I don't want anybody with a criminal history ever to live at any one of my properties. That's nice. That could be a problem for you, though. And the green factors... It, it, it was they come from a case called the Green Case, okay. and and the Green Factors kind of outline in simplistic form how you need to analyze your residents, your potential residents. Okay, and so we just have to be careful today. In today's world, you cannot say I'm not going to accept anybody with any criminal history ever. That's a red flag to every attorney general, and that will get you an attorney general investigation very quickly. So, but we don't need to say that because um, it's overreaching. It's probably overboard. Everybody wants that. But, you know, even before the green factors were an issue and the HUD guidelines were changed and the ECO, EEOC guidelines were changed, good landlords were always doing these things. Right. 
Right. They they never they may have thought I don't want any criminals. Right. But they never really, really enforced or implemented something to say I'm never going to have a criminal. Well, I find that a lot of people never had a criteria or never knew how to really go through somebody's criminal history because they just didn't know how to do it. And that's why today is the day we're going to teach people how to follow the green factors and properly analyze somebody's criminal history. We're not going to say whether you're going to accept that person or not accept that person. It, that depends on your property, your situation, where you're at. We can't make those decisions, but we're going to talk a little bit about we, what we can and can't do because you're right. I think good landlords do it the way that HUD wants you to do it. Even though we fight HUD, oh, there's federal regulations and, and I'm an anti-regulation kind of guy. The, rea- the reality is, is get that out of your head and let's make sure we put the right people in your property. And more and more, one out of six Americans right now have some sort of criminal history. If you say ever, you might be losing a lot of good people. Now, there are others that you absolutely do not want. And so let's first of all go through the green factors, maybe the questions that we need to ask ourselves as we're analyzing someone's history. Well, let's talk about why the green factors came about, why this case okay. came about, and, and what HUD's issues are. Okay. And, and to some degree, they're the same issues that any good landlord has. Because they came about because in America, blacks are incarcerated six times greater than whites. Hispanics, three times greater than whites. And so HUD was concerned that from an ethnic point of view, a race point of view, that perhaps other folks weren't getting a fair shake. And so they want to just put everybody in an equal playing field. And so this helps us as landlords to develop criteria that we won't be falling into a position where we may be accidentally discriminating against someone who shouldn't be discriminated against. That's, that's the real key here. Okay. So the green factors are basically this. What was the nature and gravity of the crime? In other words, how bad was the crime? The second one is how long has it been since the criminal activity took place? And the third one is... And this one's a little bit long, so I'm going to kind of shorten it down to what we really think about, is what's the nexus, what's the link between the crime and the risk of something similar or close happening so on D- a property? So DUI five years ago and paying your rent on the first make that connection. That's a hard connection to make. Right. I mean, that's the whole idea of, right. well, do you, do you have DUIs in your criteria? Right. And if so, why? Because here's what HUD is saying, and, and I think it's what good landlords say, is am I going to be at greater risk if I rent to this particular applicant based on their criminal history? Or does their criminal history really matter at all? What was it that happened? How long ago was it? And... Does it put me or my staff or my other residents at risk to property or to person? Right. That's what we're trying to, that's, that's a basics of what we're trying to get to. And so when you develop your criteria, and, and one of the things that HUD cited was an old case that says within about six to seven years, a person 
who has a criminal history approaches the same risk as a person who never had a criminal history. At seven years. Six to seven years. Six right. to seven years. So let me, let me restate that in, in a way, just a little bit different way. If you have a, if you've committed a crime, but you haven't recommitted yes. another crime in six to seven years, you're about the same risk as if you, someone who's never committed a crime at all. Now that's right. an old, old study out of a university. And I think we can cherry pick all kinds of studies, but that's at least where they're coming from. Right? Yeah. And we can, we can take the guts of that, of what they're trying to say, and we can use that because if you're ever in a legal case and they bring that out there's going to be lots of things that happened after that case right right but the bottom line is hud is trying to get to the core and so if we're looking at the core as landlords of these green factors of this case i think we're in pretty good shape because for example if we say someone who committed felony assault okay okay now felony assault means you pretty much beat somebody up pretty good. Uh, you know, there's variations, but you kind of... They're probably in the hospital. They're probably some serious... Something happened. Because if it's just a tiff, it's a misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor. Right. Okay. So there was something that happened that was not pretty, okay. right? Right. And so someone was in harm's way, property was in harm's way, something bad happened. So maybe some people say, well, I don't want that person in my property for 20 years. That may be overreaching. That's a long, long time. Think about your own life in 20 years. A lot has happened in 20 years. Are you a different person in 20 years? Well, Denny, I would ask you and ask myself, when you were 16, did you do some stupid stuff? I'm sure we all did. When you were 18, did you do some stupid stuff? When you were 20 and in college, did you do some stupid stuff, right? And so part one of the green factors we're going to talk about is how old were you when the crime happened? And because I did something while I was growing up, and probably not frontal lobe fun fully functioning, should that still be held against me when I'm 45 years old? And I think everybody would say, no, no, let's not do that. Right. I was, I was talking about, I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday about a case where... You're getting old, Denny. Oh, I know. Losing it. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was back there somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I was talking about this case where an individual was 18 and he kidnapped a 16-year-old. And so he got hit for a felony kidnapping of a child. Okay, which, which puts me on big-time alert right now. Oh, right? yeah. If that's all the information I know, I'm like, there's no way in heck. Okay? Yeah, you don't want that guy, right? right? Kidnapping a, a child. Right. And I think he also was hit for kidnapping the 11-year-old sister of that 16-year-old child. Okay, it's getting even worse. So you got two ugly situations. Okay. Well, come to find out, this guy who applies is now 30 years old. Okay. He married the 16-year-old, and he has three children with the 16-year-old. What had happened is the mother of the 16-year-old got pretty upset, and you can imagine that's all you would be is pretty upset right. that this 18-year-old kid takes off with your 16-year-old daughter. And I have a 16-year-old daughter and go. would be very upset. So I understand that side of it. And just think if your 11-year-old daughter went with uh, her. Yeah, I'd have a lot of problems with that. Well, obviously there was dysfunction in that family to start with. But is this, is this a person that you're saying, oh, well, no. Based on that, 
because just on the green factors alone, mm-hmm. if you just have the green factors, you go, okay, that guy's out. Right. But there's another thing that happens after the green factors. The green factors kind of give you your broad look at what should your criminal criteria be to rent to someone. After you have that set, and we've kind of gone through that for years, I mean years, even back in the when Crime Free was huge and everybody wanted to be part of Crime Free, uh, now it's kind of standard. But we were looking at five years for misdemeanors and 10 years back in those days for felonies, even before Green came out. And so when you look at that, then you have to say, okay, how am I, how am I going to analyze what I have right. in my hands? And that's called the individualized assessment. Right. So before we just had this general criteria, it's still okay to have a general criteria, but here comes the individual assessment that we really have to do with each of our applicants that have a criminal history. Now, this guy yesterday, was this just a story on the phone he gave you, or did he have to send in documents? Did he send in marriage certificates? Did, how did you know he was telling you the truth? That's an incredibly important question because that is the question that is the crux of an individualized assessment. What do they have to do to get over that hurdle and say, hey, I'm not the guy you think I am. Right. That's not really what's going on here. It's not really what happened. Let me show you why. So they have to provide you some evidence, some proof. And so you just have a heart-to-heart talk with them and say, well, tell me what you're talking about. Because one of the things that an attorney general will look at is not so much what it is, but how did you treat that person? We, ha- we have no need to treat that person badly or, or to judge them. We don't know what happened, and we don't have to re-litigate the case either. However, we do want to very um, thoughtfully go through the information that they provide us. That, right. that's, only, that's only normal. A normal person would do that. And so... I like to look at the police report. Okay, what's in that police report? And sometimes if it's old, it's hard to get a police report, and so it's very difficult. But many times you can get a copy of the police report, and remember that's just what the cops are saying, right. uh, and that's their take on it. Right. And and um, so you should look at that police report, and you go, okay, this is what happened, okay. Marriage certificate maybe, children, birth certificate. Give it, Okay, this is starting to make sense now. And with our tools as private investigators – we, we can see the marriage. We can see the kids through. Yes. I know our landlords can't, but hopefully when they get their yeah. screening report back, if they have questions like that, they can call their screening company and say, hey, what do you see? Do you, does this make sense to you guys? Yeah, you can see the addresses. You can see where these folks have lived over time. You can see they've been married for quite a while. So things, the picture starts to change. Right. And for instance, I think I did talk to this fellow some time ago, and and this applicant told me, the whole story, and he told me the mother-in-law, not the mother-in-law then, but later, uh, but the woman at that time, the the mother of the child, the 16-year-old, was so upset, which anybody would understand, that she pushed the prosecutor to bury him. Yeah. And so what actually wound up happening is he did get, quote, convicted because he pled to it, but they gave him probation, and they got married, and... They went on with their life, you right. know, no, no prison time, which normally if this had happened with my criminal background, uh, you know, dealing Knowledge, with these right. kind of things, you're going to prison if you do that. Right. Bottom line. Right. 
he got probation. Well, there's something more to the story. So you because of the intent, there was an yeah. intent there that you don't see on a criminal history record. And like um, for a theft, just look at a theft. Um, a theft can be there's a broad range, and so let's say a kid at 18 or 21 has a theft of a Milky Way, right? Okay, and now he's 32, and and clean, clean. Nothing, nothing since, since. The, nothing since the Milky Way. That was a good Milky Way. <laughs> it was an expensive Milky Way. <laughs> and so now, um, but it says theft. Let's right. say it was four years ago. Theft, but he was young. That, and that's one of the factors. Um, if they're young, what, what was their age at the time of the situation? Right. What kind of rehabilitation have they had? Do they have some kind of evidence of rehabilitation? Well, because we know there are two types of people when we, we look at these criminal histories. There are one that get in trouble and then learn their lesson. And then there's others that just continually repeat and repeat. And, and those really are the guys that we're looking for. And you can see that in your investigation. And Yeah, and, and, and time is the only factor that tells us the difference between the guy who's committed it once and learned his lesson and is a repeat. Because you can't commit a crime and then next week say, oh, I learned my lesson. Well, we don't know that. We don't know if in another week you're going to commit a crime again. So really time is important uh, and that is also one of the green factors is just how much time has gone by since the last, you know, uh, criminal conviction. And that's interesting because in the green factors, you know, you know what HUD's trying to do is saying, hey, we've got s- some serious problems out there. We've got incarceration, people getting out from prison. How long do we hold it against these folks? Do they get a chance to change their life? Do they get a chance to have good housing? And we as landlords say, hey, we agree with you. Don't put it on our backs. Give right. us get us some leadway here. Let us analyze this and see if it makes sense for us as a landlord. Because a landlord, once they take someone in who's had a criminal history, they just took upon themselves a pretty good-sized liability. Right. And so they may be liable for criminal act of that person on their tenant or someone else. You know, HUD picks picks this study, I think it was out of 1940, Denny, out of the University of Minnesota, if I remember right, read so much stuff here. Um, Good study, bad study, I don't know, it just seems like a long time ago, but I look at it as I analyze my properties of coming out of federal prison, DOJ says in three years, two-thirds of the people coming out of prison will commit another crime. Within a few years, within, within three five years, three years, within yeah. three years. And so I think HUD should be hanging on that, but I don't think that works really for their, their, you know, doesn't work in their makeup. And so, but that's a good thing where you have in your records, if you have that for us yeah. to know that now, one other thing to kind of not off topic, but I'm always worried about the landlord's safety. You know, it seems like the government and this regulation, HUD, they're always worried about protecting the criminal. They're always worried about protecting the guy who has a bad history, but I'm always worried about, protecting the landlord. And so anytime you're having these conversations on these green factors or you're getting this evidence, I do it all over the phone, fax, email. Um, I would limit my time in front of someone physically or I at least would have someone with me. And the only reason I say that is that is because the example you gave, there's no one's really in, there's no issue there with that example as we dig deeper. But at the very beginning, you don't know, you don't know how that story is going to end. You don't know if he really did kidnap somebody and, and you know what I'm saying? So I just want, you know, our rent perfect clients to just, I want you to be safe. And so do as much analyzing of the criminal history over the phone, through email as you can. 
instead of doing it face to face. And there's that, that brings up an issue for me. You know, in the old days, old days, maybe 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we used to say if we didn't want to rent to someone who maybe had a criminal history, we'd simply say, I choose not to contract with you. And that was our answer to the applicant. I choose not to contract with you. And they would say, well, well, why not? Because I choose not to contract with you. Don't have to give you a reason. I don't have to give you a reason. Today's world has changed. And everything we see coming out today is, you better give them a reason, and it better make sense. So I suggest, you know, because you need to put it in writing, and you need to say, look, I can't rent to you. I mean, we just can't do it. And let me ex- let me try to explain why. You had a felony theft four years ago. And if I put you in to this unit, which is $100,000, $200,000 unit, whatever the case may be, I'm putting this unit at risk that things may be stolen or that something may be stolen from someone else on the property or from the office staff because it didn't happen very long ago and uh, we don't want to accept that risk. The risk is too high for us. We'd rather not have that on our head. So we're going to say no, that you don't qualify because of that criminal history, because of the risk that we see involved with a repeat offense. Right. So let them know. It's okay. Right. So I have a general criteria, Denny, as far as my criminal goes. I go seven-year felony. I go five-year misdemeanor. That kind of is just like the quick run-through. I never stick with that. I always you know, analyze the data when I get back, and then I do my individual assessment once the screening you know, background report is complete. If I have questions, obviously I am the background screener in this case, but our clients would call us and say, hey, can you tell me a little bit more about this armed robbery? He's telling me he was the driver in the car and not the guy holding the gun. And, and if we can go dig a little deeper in those court files, we absolutely will do that. But those police reports, though it is just a police report, not the court filing, it gives us a lot of uh, details about what happened that day. So I would always ask for the police report. And if my clients don't and they call us, we call the applicant and we say, we need the police report because we need something physically. Right. But we it's we have to put it back on them. We, we can't, it would cost us thousands of dollars to go find all this stuff. Right. They have right. access to it way quicker than we do. They've got right. to cooperate. So I want to just talk about, you're going to have your criminal criteria that's set in stone, but then in addition to, you have to do this individualized assessment to stay in compliance with HUD. I actually think it's a very smart thing to do. You gave the example of the 20-year-old 20, 20 and the 16-year-old, or the 18-year-old and 16 year whatever the, uh, you know, a couple of years apart. If they're 20 and 22, there's no kidnap charge. They're just two kids that are you know, taking off and in love and getting married or whatever. But we, we that's that's often where we see the 18 and the 17-year-old, 18 and the 16-year-old, and mom and dad get mad. And now he's a lifetime sex offender, right? It's, it's not uncommon. So even if you said on your criteria, no sex offenders ever, we wouldn't recommend you ever using the word ever because who knows if that story is going to come down the road and you're not going to give them a chance to at least tell you the story. And as a good landlord, we're talking about good landlords, might be the best tenant you've ever had because he's really not a sex offender. It was an age issue. Yeah, and we, and we just got to be careful. If, if we're cutting someone off before they have a chance to even explain anything, right. 
that's when HUD's going to get upset. That's when the Attorney General is going to say, you didn't even communicate with these people. You've got to communicate with them. That and, and I've handled, I don't know, hundreds of discrimination cases with the Attorney General's office. And that's the one thing that really upsets them. We, we, you've made these judgments mm-hmm. without the full evidence. So at least give them that. Let, let them get you the information. Well, I'd like to close this episode with this, too. The overall flavor coming around the United States is landlord is bad. Tenant or applicant is not getting a fair shake. Landlord's rich. Applicant's poor. You know, let's protect the applicant. Let's not care about the landlord. And that's why we're seeing a lot of these regulations coming in, kind of coming after us, trying to have, you know, have us solve problems or have us do more in our processes that oftentimes make it worse. We can't give this government the ammo that we're shrewd and crude. We just need to be good landlords. And I think, I mean, I think 99% of all the people I talk to, right, they don't care about color. They don't care about race. They don't care about familial status. They don't care about a lot of things. They want their place to be taken care of, and they want to get a check every month and have the rent paid. And they're smiling. They're happy. I think that's a really critical point because over my 30 years, what I've seen is really it's it's 40 years um, because I was heavily involved in landlord law even before I was an attorney, but what you wind up looking at in the cases that you get in are the uneducated landlords. A lot of times mom and pops, because these large communities, mm-hmm. they have lawyers, they're part of associations, right. they get the training, they send everybody to the training, they get to understand the law. You know, they're not perfect, but they, right. for the most part, they really do get a lot of good training and it's the newbies mm-hmm. or it's the mom and pops that just don't get the training. And right. they're the ones that get sitting in front of the AG's office. And that's why I'm so grateful you're on our podcast so often is to give us that education because a lot of people watching our podcast have one, two, ten properties and they don't have a place to go to even understand. I mean, I'm sure many people watching this today said green factors. I've never even heard that term, mm-hmm. right? And so... We're certainly grateful for those that are listening, educating them, and just trying to really be the good landlord that we all need to be. Because when we're a good landlord, we're actually successful. And well, I think what you just said, you know, it's it's the it's the ones with fewer properties, right. and it's not that they're not trying to be a good landlord; they want to be good landlords. Right. I mean, otherwise, why they get in the business? Right. I mean, they're trying to make right. a dollar. Right. Um, and they know that they can only make a dollar if their tenants are happy or they're going to be turning that property all the time. Right. So they just don't know. What you don't know, you don't know. You don't know. Danny, thank you again. Thank you so much. We appreciate you so much giving us your insight. How do we properly analyze people's criminal history? Hopefully something that we said today will stick and help you to become a better landlord. And until next time, just continue to keep renting perfect. If you like our podcast, subscribe, click on YouTube. Come see us again. We have a lot of great information coming your way.